Charles is a business broker and wants help to figure out how to find qualified buyers for the businesses that he's listed for sale. I'm David C. Barnett, and you're tuned in to Small Business and Deal Making, the podcast, YouTube channel, and blog where I talk about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium sized businesses while controlling risk. So if you're looking to take control of your future through buying a business one day, or if you already own a business and you're looking to grow or exit, you've come to the right place. I talk about interesting things, I talk to interesting people, and I answer your questions every week right here. So be sure to hit like and be sure to hit subscribe, and let's get to it. Special thanks go to today's video sponsor, Mark Willis of Lake Growth Financial. Mark helps people better manage their personal wealth and business finances through the bank on yourself insurance strategy. This is something I've done personally and have gotten lots of positive feedback from people I've worked with over the years. Go to newbankingsolution.com to find a playlist of all the interviews I've done with Mark and to learn more about the advantages of these programs. While there, sign up to arrange a conversation about what this solution might look like for you. Awesome. So uh, I had made a video in 2022 called Absentee Business, uh, Absentee Businesses to Buy 2022 or something like that. Uh, we'll put a link floating here above that. Uh, Carl left a comment. Um, and he asks, can you make a video about some of the best ways to find qualified buyers as a business broker? What a, This is a great question. And I know that I've got business brokers in my audience because sometimes when I make a video that I address certain you know hot button topics that brokers are always dealing with their buyers and sellers about, I'll get feedback from brokers saying, hey, I really like that. Or, I've shared that video with some of my buyers and things like that. And so I think this is a great question. So I've created a, a, a process here of what to do first and then actually where you go to find these qualified buyers. So the very first thing you do if you've got a listing and you're trying to find a qualified buyer is sit down and imagine yourself as the buyer and ask yourself, how would I buy this business? And, and say, you know, the average buyer might have this kind of down payment. Here's what they can use for a loan. So again, this depends where you are. If you're in the States, maybe you're going to look at a SBA loan. If you're in Canada, you're going to look at the tangible assets within the business and see what they might be able to use for collateral for a bank loan. And then, you, then you're trying to figure out how much would be left for the seller to finance. And then you have to see if it cash flows. So then you look at the actual SDE that you're going to advertise and you have to go through the whole process of adding back uh, or adding all the expenses that follow after SDE. So you've got some kind of salary to take home for the new owner. You've got the debt service, you've got taxes, you've got capital expenditures, et cetera. And then make sure there's a free cash flow at the end. Because anyone that you show this business to or anyone that finds it online, they're going to do that. And if they're a qualified buyer, it means that they have money, they have good credit, they've got you know, a positive net worth, um, you know, and they've probably been online educating themselves about the process of buying a business and they've run into content like mine or, or some from other creators. And so they're going to go through that process. And here's something that is remarkable. If these intelligent, savvy, qualified buyers can't see how your deal will ever cash flow for them, many of them will never waste their time with you because they'll think those people don't know what they're doing, whether the broker or the seller, right? So the very first thing you have to do is approach it like a buyer, figure out what a reasonable down payment is. And then at the very end, there's gotta be sufficient cash flow to warrant the equity investment. So 
that free cash flow at the end is what provides a return on equity for that buyer. So if it, the math doesn't work, don't advertise the business for sale. Don't show it to a buyer. You go back to the seller and you show them how nobody is going to be able to buy this business at the asking price. Now, if the numbers will work out reasonably at, you know, 10% lower than the asking price or something like that, I know there's got to be room for negotiation and stuff like that, but it's got to be reasonable. So the very first thing you have to do to find qualified buyers is make sure that the deal makes sense. If it doesn't make sense, don't waste your time, the sellers or any buyer, because the only buyers you're going to find with that kind of listing are going to be people who don't know how to do any of the things I just described. So they're not going to be qualified buyers. They're going to be people who are you know, ignorant to the game and they're going to come in, they're going to look at it. Maybe they're going to see the business, look at the sales number, think, wow, I'd love to own a business that does a million dollars in sales. And, and they may even make a full price offer. But by the time they get to the banker, the accountant, their other advisors, people will eventually show them that the thing doesn't cash flow and the deal will never happen. Even if they submit an LOI at full price, it just won't happen because if it doesn't cash flow, it's not going to work. At the end of the day, businesses have to buy themselves. Okay. So now that you've worked out the fact that it does in fact work, that it is a reasonable deal that makes sense, the next thing you have to do is look at the amount of the down payment that you assumed the buyer would put in. Now you have an idea of what kind of buyer you're looking for, someone who has that amount of money for a down payment. So when you create your advertisement to go on one of the big online uh, business selling marketplaces, you can actually put into the ad, it is anticipated that our buyer will have liquid equity in the amount of blank available, you know, whatever that number is available in order to undertake this process or the, the, the purchase. And so now what you're doing is you're setting expectations for anyone who reads that ad that you expect that they're going to have that kind of money available. So when they make contact with you and you send back the NDA and the questionnaire and say, I need you to provide some kind of evidence or proof that you actually have this amount of money available, that you, you, what you're doing is creating a hurdle and you, you've set the expectation that you will want them to jump over the hurdle by demonstrating that they have a certain amount of money available. I'm hearing from all kinds of business brokers about the number of people who are taking these zero down guru online programs and they're just frustrating these brokers like crazy because they have no money, they're completely broke, but they're sending emails, they're submitting inquiries, they're making phone calls and they're just using a bunch of people's time and they aren't gonna be able to make a deal. So the brokers increasingly want people to demonstrate that they're actually qualified as buyers. So if you put it in the advertisement, you will need 50, 80, 100, 200 grand liquid available equity to put into this deal, then it will be no surprise to any of these inquiries when you say, I need you to show me, right? I want you to show me. So this is a qualification hurdle. So in addition to advertising, you know, those online business for sale marketplace websites, um, you should have your own list of buyers. Because if you've been in business, and I don't know, I don't know Carl um, specifically, but any business broker who's had the opportunity to have a few listings online should have received other inquiries from other buyers. And a lot of brokers will put an NDA with some kind of net worth statement. All of that information should be going into some kind of CRM that you can then quickly search. 
And you should be putting notes in your CRM about what kind of business that buyer wants to find. So that when you have this listing and you know you, that someone's going to need about $80,000, for example, that you can quickly do a CRM search and be able to list out all the buyers you've ever met that have more than $80,000 of net worth or liquid available capital or however you phrased it. Um, and then you can kind of look through your notes on each one and just see if any of them mention anything relating to the business that you have at hand. You'll be, in, I don't know if it's surprising or not, but and maybe it's the nature of the the people who end up in business brokerage. But I've spoken to many business brokers who have no organization at all amongst past inquiring buyers. They don't have a database. They're not collecting the information. They're not organizing the information. They're they're basically running their business from their inbox. And will they have an ad out? And, and then they'll let people submit inquiries and they'll just kind of manage the people that emailed them without ever going back to check their records to see if they met the perfect buyer a year ago. And, you know, to me, the biggest value that a business broker can have is to be able to say to a business seller, I already have a database of 500 people looking to buy a business. That's what I used to say to people. And I used to record that information so that I could actually go and look at it and, and pick through and find a buyer before I went to the public. I've made other videos before where I talk about this process where um, there are many business brokers that will get a listing and it gets sold before it ever goes onto a website. This is how, right? Because those brokers are organized and they already have buyers at hand who let them know what kind of business they want and let them know what kind of budget they have, et cetera. So that should also be in your top sources of qualified business buyers. Um, the third one is to hunt for strategic acquirers. So this is examining what kind of business would ideally be able to grow from the acquisition of this company. And this is where your, your question of buyer down payment starts to become fuzzier because when it comes to strategic acquisition, if the acquiring company has a strong enough balance sheet, if their debts are low enough, any bank that's going to make them a loan to buy another business, they're going to look at the combined entity after the transaction. So a buying company with a really strong balance sheet, very low debts, could in fact have enough equity on its own, on its own balance sheet to kind of make up the equity to do the acquisition. So I've worked with buyers before who are already in business, had very little debts. And then when they went to go make an acquisition, a lender was actually willing to lend them the entire sum of money to make the acquisition because the equity required was already built into their company. And the, the banker was looking at the acquisition as an expansion where they kind of look at both balance sheets together. And as long as there's enough equity post-close, the bank will make that loan. So who would most profit from acquiring the business that you have for sale? And you know, people immediately jump to direct competitors. But what I've learned over the years is that if you have a, uh, let's say a town and there's only five roofing companies, for example, um, those four roofing companies, if one of them is, if one of them goes up for sale, those other four roofing companies will actually undervalue their competitor because their attitude is, why would I pay money to buy him? If he just went away, I would get some of those customers anyway. So there's a certain entitlement, the fact that they're in the market where Instead of buying the competitor, they would rather just see that competitor disappear, go out of business, and then sort of absorb the extra market share that they can. 
So who really, as far as a strategic acquirer, is going to value that business the most? There's two answers. Uh, number one is an identical lookalike company in an entirely other market. So if you look at the next city over, the next state, the next region, what have you, um, there's people in that market that are trying to grow. For them to come and plant a flag with a new office in, in the town that you're in would be very difficult. Take a lot of resources, would have a lot of risk. You're talking about a startup, essentially. We don't know if it's going to be successful. But for them to buy an existing player and immediately get market share in a new market and and greatly increase the amount of their purchasing, which could cause margin improvement, they might get better pricing for materials, et cetera. That type of acquisition is going to be a really good one. So you look at the business that you own and you start to look for similar businesses in other communities, right? And now your, your question of how to manage um, you know, conversation and due diligence with a direct competitor who might want to steal information and may not be dealing in, in good faith is kind of muted because you don't want to talk to the direct competitors in the very same town. You want to talk to the people that are in the other markets. So that's one source of strategic acquirers. The next source would be people above and below the value in the value chain. So what do I mean by that? Well, if you think about the business that you own or the business that is for sale, who are the primary suppliers to that business? And who are the primary customers of that business? If the customers are other businesses, for example, if you're talking about um, you know, a wholesale type of company that has a couple of big customers, one of those big customers might be interested in acquiring their wholesaler. It's kind of a, a natural way for them to grow. And so they'll become bigger by acquiring the person they buy from lock in their supply, give themselves preferential treatment. There's all kinds of big strategic reasons why someone might be interested in that. So that might make sense. So you ask the business uh, owner that whose business you're trying to sell, who are your big customers um, if they are other businesses? And you look at those to see if there might be a potential candidate where the relationship is so important between the two that the customer may want to buy the supplier. And then the opposite of that is also true. So you look at the business for sale and then look at who their suppliers are. And if there's another similar important relationship, it might make sense for their supplier to acquire them in order to lock in that customer or that, that, uh, that demand, right? So I've seen, for example, this kind of relationship. Uh, I'll give you one quick example in the insurance industry where the relationship between the insurance company and the brokers is so important that I've seen insurance companies not buy the brokers, but rather uh, finance people to buy the brokers so that that new owner then has a tied in relationship with the insurance company. And that's, I spoke about that during the summer of alternative finance, where I talked about how vendors might be a source of financing. But if the company you're looking at trying to sell is you know, a is a customer concentration type of customer for someone above them in the value chain, then that supplier might have an interest in buying them. Just because if the new owner took their business elsewhere, that supplier might falter, right? And so there could be a defensive strategic reason for that supplier to want to acquire the business at hand. So those would be your two sort of angles for strategic acquisitions. And those buyers again, may have an advantage that they might not need as much liquid available equity to, to put into the deal 
in order to become the buyer. Anyway, um, I hope that answers your question, Carl. I, I thought it was a great question. Uh, and I would hope that business brokers out there listen because I am so tired of looking at listings that come up available and it doesn't matter how you look at it. It just doesn't make sense. There's no way the deal will ever cash flow. And I know that those brokers are not hearing from qualified buyers um, because anyone who knows what they're doing is not going to waste their time on something like that. Right? So um, if, uh, if you're out there and you are, you know, looking to buy a business, then I would highly recommend that you head over to my website over at businessbuyeradvantage.com. And over at businessbuyeradvantage.com, you can learn all about my services where I work as a consultant to help people buy a business. You can also learn about my uh, online course, Business Buyer Advantage, and about my group coaching program. Uh, all that information is over at businessbuyeradvantage.com. And with that, I'll say thank you very much. And uh, we'll see you next time. So how can you learn more about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses? Easy. Head over to my blog site at davidcbarnett.com. You'll find hundreds of articles and videos all for free. You'll find links to my books and online courses, and you can sign up for my email list and get emails covering topics that interest you and be notified of new videos.